Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Res Life. It is good to be with you today. I welcome all of you who are joining us also online. And just uh, what an honor it is to be able to come and serve underneath Pastor Dwayne and be able to hopefully be some wind under his wings as he continues to lead this awesome fellowship. And I haven't been here in a while, so I pause just to say greetings to you. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Uh, The last time I stood on this stage, uh, I was involved in the service honoring the life of Ken Reynolds, and he was a dear, dear friend of mine. And so I want to pause this morning, and I want to thank the Lord for his life. I realize you've had opportunities to do that, but I want to pause because Ken greatly shaped my life. Uh, He shaped the life of my children my grandchildren, and I'm so grateful for the influence he played on all of our lives and the way he called this his family. This was his church family, and he called it family, and he built family. And today I'm going to talk about parenting. Don't check out when I say that, because I'm going to come back to that in a second. But I want you to know that Ken exuded that, and he lived to honor that. In fact, it's an honor for me to have Andrea and Kenton and Alyssa sitting there by my wife Jane right now, and so I honor them. And I honor Ken. I I dedicate this message to him today. I'm so thankful for his influence in parenting. He loved his kids and he loved all of our children. And I just am so grateful for that. And today I want to honor him by dedicating this message to him. But I preach the message to honor the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray today you will just have an open and receptive heart to what I want to talk about. And that's parenting. Now, I want to show you something. I want, I want you to notice, even inside you, what's happening when I say I'm going to talk about parenting. J- just pay attention. Because there's almost, in the culture we live in, I'm going to prove it in a second. In the culture we live in, there's almost, uh, when you hear there's a parenting conference. Right now, if I said this afternoon, parenting conference at 3 o'clock, maybe, maybe 5% of the church would come back for it. Maybe. We don't even notice this about our culture, but the importance of parenting has gone out of the window a bit with our culture. Uh, In the time the Bible was written, the verse I'm going to share with you today, in that day, a woman's identity was found in her ability to have a child. And do y'all remember Abraham and Sarah? I mean, it was like Sarah, her whole life was like, Lord, why? I mean, I I'm not valuable. I'm not. The, the importance of, of being able to birth a child and to bring a child into the earth back in Bible days was massive. Now, watch this. In our culture, the importance has shifted from birthing a child to who's birthing the child. The emphasis placed on the person and their rights and what they can do and who they are and their gender, all that stuff. That's all you hear about. You don't hear a lot about the importance of just raising kids. And even as I say it today, I can sense even in the room a little bit of a, oh, he's going to talk on parenting. This is going to be long. (laughs) And I want to propose to you that's because parenting in our life and in our time doesn't have a big validation. It doesn't. And I'm going to talk about that. I've been parenting for 126 years. <laughs> I add up all the ages of my kids and doggone it, I'm counting every one of them. 
In fact, some of them should get a couple year credits. <laughs> and grandkids. And here I sit today telling you that the message I'm going to share with you today is huge. And you need to know um, the verse I'm going to share with you today that I've never preached on before. Really crazy. I've been preaching on marriage and parenting family for 30 years now. Never used this verse. I might have quoted it, but never preached from it. And I was talking to the Lord, sitting on that little stool in my office going, man, why have I never preached on this verse? And I just had a real sense of, because you weren't mature enough to do it. And not that I'm all that mature now, but I'm sure better than I was at 30. And today my 61-year-old self is going to talk a lot to my 31-year-old self. And those of you sitting in the room who are currently parenting, and by the way, that is all of you, you say, what do you mean by that? This verse was not just written to parents. We quote it and we think it was written to parents. It was written to all of us. Let me just tell you all right now, all of you in this room know a child who needs your investment in them. Might be a neighborhood kid. In fact, one that you go, oh, their parents are not there. Perfect. Maybe it's time for you to step in. A little neighborhood kid that comes over to your house sometimes. You today are going to see why it's important that you invest in their life. And let me just also say to you, you're looking at the most flawed among us. I, I describe parenting as flawed people raising more flawed people. And I'm the most flawed among us. I do not do it all right. I have not done it all right. You'll hear that in the speech today. But I'm learning. And I know who the perfect father is. And I'm going to point you to him today. And I'm going to point you to his truths today. Because it's in following and seeking him that we find hope. If you're here today and you have a very difficult family situation going on in your life, uh, I tell you that this is going to be a message of encouragement to you. If you're here in a perfect parent, you're a perfect parent, you just say, Dan, you don't get it. I'm a perfect parent. I would invite you to come on up on stage and take over the rest of the message. And I'll just tell you, if you walk up here, people are going to mock you the rest of your life. Because even though you may think you do it really well, you will face trials as long as you're on this earth because we're not in heaven yet. <laughs> like there's a kid laughing on the front row. I love it. Uh, I was speaking about, it's been about a month, three weeks. I can't remember exactly. Uh, in Orlando, Florida recently, and I was speaking to uh, the American Association of Christian Counselors. That's pastors counselors and coaches, okay, who work all across the nation, around the world, actually, flew in from around the world. About 6,000 people gathered in Orlando, Florida, and it's a time of just encouragement to them. So pastors, counselors, coaches that just need encouragement. And I was speaking to one of the groups, um, and we were in a, a very large room, and, and the crowd was there, and I was up on stage, and I shared a few thoughts, and I said, I just, I just want to pause a minute I know what we do for a living. We all encourage and pray with others and help other people. I'm a pastor. I get what you do. And then I said, if you're here and you're just struggling, some issue in your life, and you just would like prayer, is there, and while I'm talking, this dude stands up about halfway back, and I said, you're going to have to yell because people won't be able to hear your name. What's your name? And he yelled, I'm Scott. And I said, Scott, what do you want to be prayed for? And he said, I have a wayward child. And he said, I'm... I'm ministering, I'm counseling all day long. And he said, the people are talking to me about the issues in their life. And he said, I'm wanting to go, me too. And I said, man, let's pray for you. So I prayed for him. And then when he finished, I just, I just thought, I'm going to do this 
just to pray for everybody else who might feel that. And I said, somebody else maybe is sitting here and you feel like Scott does today and you're struggling as a parent and you just don't know where to go, what to do. I said, I, I know it's kind of bold of me to do this, but I'm going to ask you, just, just, just stand up. So I said that. And I'm telling y'all that I would bet you 60, 60 percent of the audience did. I was expecting maybe five percent. When when sixty percent of them stood up and I stepped back, I went, "Whoa!" I was not expecting this. And then I said, "Let's just start praying for each other." I mean, they people were literally openly just crying. And I know in this room today, I know online right now, there's some parent you're possibly even crying right now because the weight of what you're dealing with is so heavy. So I want to come today as an encourager to you. You're here and you're a teenager and you're listening going, what does this have to do with me? Um, First of all, you are in your family and your example right now, you need to know what you're doing even in your family life is something that's so important and so valued. I am a parent. When I look at teenagers, I have a thought of, I wonder how they're doing in their home. And I would ask you teens to look at what I'm going to share with you today. And I would ask you to look at your life and go, am I modeling that? Am I seeking to honor God with my life? I would say to a grandpa or grandma here that's got got 110 kids in all your family. And Christmas is very expensive. Good news for you, shipping problems won't be as big this year. I want you to find hope today in this verse of scripture. Again, I have never preached from. It's Proverbs 22, 6. Many of you know it. Somebody, you probably got it tattooed on your body. Train up a child. That would be one long tattoo. And the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. I mean, I look and I go, why have I never preached from here? It's got four perfect points, which is what pastors look for. It's so simple. And I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you. The first part of the verse says, train up a child. That's a statement of responsibility. As a parent, as a person here today, if you're involved in the life of children, have a plan. Have a plan. Don't haphazardly just go along and say, hey, we'll see what happens today. Hey, come on, kid. Let's just, no. Have a plan where you say to yourself, this is what, when my kids turn 30, this is what I want to have invested in them now so that when they get there, they will turn out this way. I pause a second. If Ken Reynolds and I, when we sat together at Starbucks or wherever, when we would talk, and this family did not know this conversation happened until just now, he would talk about his investment in Kenton and Alyssa. He would always tell me how those two kids are doing. And here's the latest news, and here's what I'm trying to do, and here's how I'm investing in their life. It was intentional, and it was planned. And I would say to you, the results are pretty darn good. And I would ask you today, do you have a plan? What's it look like? Understand this as part of your plan. Watch this. Whoever trains your child is discipling your child. You say, well, Dan, I have my, my kids are involved in this. My kids go to this school. My kids are involved here. Okay, what you're saying as a parent is, I trust where I'm putting them in that school system, if you will. I'm trusting that the things they're doing and saying and teaching there align with what I want my children to do when they get older. It's a big deal. 
Vadi Balkum says this. It's a great phrase. He said, if you give your children to Caesar to train, do not be shocked if they turn out Roman. And I would say to you today, you get to choose where your kids go. And you said, are you here promoting any school system? No. As a parent, people come up to me all the time. Dan, I'm sending my kids to public school. I say, bless you. I love your decision. If that's best to honor, you believe it's honoring your family, honoring the Lord, honoring what you're doing. Awesome. Kid, Dan, I, I will do nothing but send my kids to Christian school. That's awesome. Good choice. If that's best for your family, great. Dan, I'm telling you this. Homeschooling is the only way to go. Good job. That's great. You get to pick. You get to pick. Just understand your child is going to be a result of the system you put them in. Make sure you are aware of that. Make sure you understand what that system's goal is. See, for many parents, it's, I don't know what it is. I just know I don't have to deal with them for eight hours. I'm serious. You know why we like to do that? Freedom! Do what I want to do. And I'm telling you, as a parent, you're responsible for the system your child's in. There's not just school system. There's church system. By being here today, I'm assuming you guys are choosing to say, we want Res Life and what they teach in the children's ministry, what they teach in the kids' teens ministry. That's what I want my children to grow up with. Awesome. You've picked a great system. There are others who have not. There are others who have said, I don't want my kids involved in any church system. And I would say to them, be careful. Because there are biblical truths and things that are being taught here. You know, as a parent, I know for me, my grandkids, sometimes when they're over the house the other day, Jane put a song on and one of our kids started, one of our grandkids was singing it and said something like, wait, grandma, I know the words of that song. I was just standing over the side. And I remember thinking to myself, good. It's stuck in their little head. Because that little head's going to turn 20, and it might need to remember that song. <laughs> little songs my mom taught me. You don't even, all you got to say is the first word, and I'll start singing it. My mom used to walk around the house, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And you go, I don't know that song. Well, I know it because my mom sang it. Because what gets sung into your ears right here? stays with you all the way to here. And you got to understand the system you got your kids in. If right here they're getting fed nonsense, don't be surprised if they end up fools. Because the world system is foolishness. The Bible says it's foolishness to God. If they grow from here and there. They know everything in the world and the people in the world go, oh, that person is brilliant. If it's a world's brilliance, it is foolishness to God. Systems are important. School system, church system, social media system. See, most of you in this room, um, when you were, let's just go back to when you were 13 for a second, okay? And for some of you, you're traveling back quite a while. And you were 13 and you went home from school, most of you in this room, when you went home from school at 3.34 or 5, whenever you got home, you were home. Nobody touched in with you. Nobody, keep turning my light on, nobody checked on you. 
If you did, you had, had to work at it. You had to make it. You could go be by yourself if you wanted to. You only go do something on your own, you could. Nowadays, kids never leave school. They, they never leave hearing you're not good enough. They, need, they never leave hearing, well, you don't really measure up. You didn't get as many likes as me. This is a social media system, and it's training your child to perform a certain way. You say, Dan, how do you know that? Because the winning at home phone is ringing off the hook with help for parents or seeking for teens and kids. Why? And I want to say to you today, that's a system that is training your child. And as a parent, be aware of it. And then just realize time spent is not for rent. When it comes to training your child, time spent is not for rent. You say, but Dan, I only get one hour with my kid a day. Then pour into that hour. <laughs> Y'all, you know, my kids are out of the home now, okay? My kids are 36 down to 26. But let me tell you something. There were days back in the day when I would be on my way home and I'd call Jane, check on the kids. Let's say they were down 12 down to two, okay? That would have been the ages they would have been. She would tell me something on the phone. And I, I can remember driving home and her telling me what's going on with the kids when I got home. Like, I'm leaving work. I've worked all day, and I'm coming home to 12 to 2-year-olds, and here were all the issues. And I remember, I remember the steering wheel on my car going, golf course, golf course, golf course. Get the heck out of here. Yeah. But I was going home, and I want to just tell you, I do not regret the time I spent with my children. I don't look back and go, oh, I wish I'd left them more. No, I'm, I'm thankful. You have a season. Those of you right now with the 12 down to two-year-old age, it's a season. You go, when will it end? It'll be a little while, but it'll be quicker than you think. I sit here at 61 as an empty nester, which, by the way, I was born for. But I sit here at 61, <laughs> and I say to you, wow, that's crazy how quick that went. I don't have little kids anymore. And I'm glad I invested when I could. I want to take a moment to honor single parents. Single parent, look at me. I'm proud of you. That's really hard. I don't know how you do it. And, you know, I think about I think about the junk you potentially deal with. You work all day long, go pick that kid up, and you're already worn out, and maybe even the other person involved makes your life miserable, and there you are with that kid. I want you to know, I just want you to know that I honor you today, and I paused on behalf of your child, okay? I want, I want to be your kid a minute. Thank you, mom or dad, for investing in me when you're worn out because someday it will make a difference in me. And I'm so proud of you for hanging in there, seeking the Lord. You're loved here at Res. I know they do a lot of work to try to encourage you, but I just want you to know you're, you're cared for. And th these are just words. I get it. They're just words. I'm just trying to shoot. I'm just trying to love you a little bit because that's hard life. I'm proud of you. I've never been a single parent. I don't get it. But I, I can't imagine what I would have done. And so, good job. Small words, big hug.
Thank you. Thank you that your time spent is not for rent and the time you do get, you're investing well. Good job. Second part of the verse is, in the way they should go, that's direction. That's direction. Let me share the number one point that I want to make here about this. Look at me. Your number one priority, your number one priority is to train your children up, raise your children up to know that Jesus is everything. I'm going I'm I'm to take, in fact, I have my outline right here. This is where I wrote it, sitting on the little stool in my office. I have a little piece of paper I wrote the speech on. And right here, I want to pause and show you something. I have right here under this point, I have a extra anointing. I wrote the words extra anointing and I highlighted it. I was just praying, Lord, help me to help people listening get this point in their heart. I, ooh, I wish I could get this in your heart. Because if you get that Jesus is everything, it is a game changer. Now, don't you hear, hear me out, okay? I'm gonna prove it. Growing up my whole life, I knew all about Jesus. I grew up in church, small country church in the Carolinas. I heard about Jesus. I went three times a week. I heard countless, I know that Jesus is everything. I know it in my head. I remember mom, if mom asked me a question, I knew if I just answered with Jesus, I had a 50-50 shot of getting any question right. I knew that. But I longed. I heard that Jesus was everything. But I looked to my dad and his approval to make me feel like I was worthwhile. Because my dad would not give that. He would not compliment me. He would not say nice things to me. He did not. He was not proud of me. My mom was, she was over the top. Probably trying to feel now looking back what my dad wasn't doing. But my dad just couldn't say it. He couldn't say he was proud. He couldn't say anything positive. He just couldn't do it. He'd point out all my issues and see my whole life. I believed Jesus was everything, but why was it that I was trying to get my father to fill these holes in me that weren't filled? Dad, dad, put some more stuff in my pocket. Dad, dad, fill me up. Dad, I'm lacking over. Come on, dad, say something. Ooh, I yearn for him. Instead of looking to the God who made me, my heavenly father, to fill me up, I tried to find it in my father's applause, and it never happened, ever. Dad is 91 today. He's in a nursing home near my home. He's the only one still alive. I, I go check on him every now and then, and I can tell you that he is still that way. I'm not mad anymore. I, I'll talk about that in a second, but he's still, if I went there this afternoon, he would say, hey, where'd, where'd you preach today? I'd say, over well, town, over near Grand Rapids, a little church called Res Life, you know, oh, that's good, that's good. And then he would say this to me, see, I travel and preach. I don't have a steady church I'm at every weekend. In his mind, that would validate me. So here's what my dad would say to me. If I went to him today, he would say to me, oh, so none of those churches will hire you. You just have to keep traveling, huh? <laughs> that's what he would say. It's true. Jane is shaking her head right there. She knows. He will just, just be like, you're just, mm, you're almost there, but mm. So for 21 years, I tried to get him to, to be my everything. 
I want you to see that. I believed in Jesus, but I, but I moved a person into the God and Jesus spot and tried to find my validation in what they thought of me. You say, Dan, what's the point of this message? I think you can pick up on it. Some of you have been doing this a long time. Then at the age of 21, getting married at 22, I switched it over to Jane. So I looked for dad to fill all my holes and make my pockets full and everything else. He didn't do it. Oh, I'm getting married. Now she'll do it. Surely she'll do it. I mean, after all, I am the one. I mean, she's finally found it. So here we go. (laughs) And she can't do it either. Why? Because no one can fill the holes and the voids and the things in your life that only God can fill. He's your creator, see? Jane didn't create me. My dad didn't create me, but I had that messed up in my head. I'm looking, you ready, for human validation. I'm looking to, without even realizing, I'm kind of saying, okay, humans, all you, you are my everything. And God in heaven is going, that won't work. You're going to wear yourself out. And some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you've done it your whole life. When I say Jesus is everything, it doesn't even connect with you because you know it, but you've never moved it the last 18 inches into your heart. And so guess what I did as a parent, y'all? Guess what? I'm just showing you my own failure as a parent. So I, having a dad who never did that stuff, guess what? When I have kids, I'm going to be there everything. I'm going to always be there for them, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to tell them how much I love them. In fact, I always said, my kids are going to need a counselor because he's like, he never stopped hugging me. I mean, you know, it's like it's just the opposite of my dad. And I would tell him things like, I'm always here for you. Count on that. I'll never let you down. Wrong sentence. Because I'm a human. And I'm flawed. And I fail. And all I did was set my kids up for hurt because I told them I'd be there everything. And then I wasn't. And the whole time I should have been saying to my kids this phrase, hey, kids, I'll I'll fail you sometimes. That's why I want to push you toward Jesus because he will always be able to fill the voids that nobody else can fill. And great parents get this and they want to teach this to their children so the kids have good direction in life because Jesus will always be there. Many of you right now sitting or raising your kids and you've already decided, I know what they'll be good at. And I say to you, back off a little. Tell them that God will guide them into what is best for them. You taking your hands off will be the best thing you can do. Point them to everything in Jesus. And point number two under this is to teach this, you have to know this and live it yourself. The best thing I can tell you right now that kids in our society need, can I just tell you what it is? Seeing an adult whose foundation, you ready, is built on solid rock of God Almighty and Jesus Christ. As a dad and as a grandpa, this is the best thing I can show my kids. Do I have hard times? Yep. But do I believe God Almighty will get me through those times? I better because I preach it. And can I tell you right now, 
I've been saying this a lot. I've been speaking to some teens. When I speak to them, I literally now start a speech to teens, speaking to high school, speaking to a teen group, speaking to a basketball team. I will start with this. Hey, teens, I want to apologize to you because right now, if I were your age, it would be a hard thing for me as a person to see adults in the room. I just don't see a lot of adults in the room. I'm sorry. We've such such a poor example for you. Somebody here is not going to like this next sentence. And I'm st- I didn't say it first service. I'll risk it a little bit second service because it comes to my mind. This is not trying to be political. That I'm just trying to make a statement. If you're 17, I want to I just ask you to ponder something. Go back to being 17 just for a second. Do you remember who the president was when you were 17? Just play along with me for a second. I remember having a picture of who the president of our nation was because president of our nation is who we kind of pick and go, this is the chief adult among us. I want to just say to you very calmly and very sweetly, if the last two presidents we've put in office, if you're 17, are you looking going, now there are some really solid people. I'm going to get an email about this, and I'm going to immediately forward it to Al. <laughs> but I'm just trying to help you see something. The reason the phone's ringing off the hook at Winning at Home is because the children and the teens do not see an adult in the room. And I want to call out those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ because I want to say to you, it's time for us to look solid. Not on our beliefs, not on what we think, solidly on the word of God and knowing that God is God is God is God. Watch this. Dan Seaborn is figuring out at 61, I'm figuring out. I don't need dad's approval. I don't need Jane's approval. I don't need your approval. I need the father God to look down and say, Dan, I made you in my image and you're good enough right there. And when your children see you finding your identity in God, that's big. You're giving them, ready, great direction. Train them up the way they should go so that when they're old, (laughs) scholars have debated this for years. What's old? Some people, 21, 21's old. I, I don't think it's a date. I don't think it's a year. This is totally my opinion right here, totally my opinion, giving my opinion. I think old means when your kid's gone through some hard knocks of life and made it and found their foundation in the Lord. Just because it's right here and it's available to me today, um, I did not plan on all this, okay? But I look at you, Kenton, and I look at you, Alyssa. Good job. I'm sorry you lost your dad, but I want to tell you something. What you say what I've seen in your life. I'm sorry, Alyssa, I'm sorry you lost your dad. But I see in you a girl that wants to go on and honor Jesus. And I want you to know, your dad's looking down from heaven going, that's what I taught you. Kenton, you too. So they've been through some hard knocks and they're pressing on. And I'm not trying to put them on the spot. I didn't know I was going to do this, but I'm honoring that because that's what I believe it means when it says, and when they're old, they're accountable for themselves now. Dad has gone on. They're accountable for themselves. And I don't know if y'all, do y'all remember the date 
And if you're here and you're younger, you may not have hit this yet. But I remember the date where I literally, that, that moment hit me. I was just out of college. I remember riding in my car. I was going to a job and I went, oh, mercy. I'm responsible for myself now. Like, I got to pay my own bills. And there's this thing that comes up inside you like, oh, crap. That's called accountability. Well, that's not. But you know what I'm saying. It's that day where you realize I'm an adult. That day will come for every child. And the Bible says, and when they are old, accountability, the last part, they will not depart from it. What is it? You ready? It is faith. Faith. When your kid says, this isn't about coattails, Dad. It's not about your coattails. I got this. I'll take it on now. In this verse today, it comes full circle for some of you. There are some of you sitting in this room. Your parents not, never got to see your faith. But you're sitting here today because they put something in you when you were a little kid that you just could not get away from. Foundation laid here, came to life here. I do that because I'm still just thankful I can bend over. I remember um, I remember when our youngest daughter began to go wayward. Her nickname was Bubbles growing up, man. She was, she was so fun. She's so crazy fun. That girl was so easy to raise. She made, she made parenting a joy. And to give you an example, we would go as a family. Let's just say we went to Taco Bell for dinner because we could afford that. And we would go there for dinner and she would see a family sitting, not, not a family, she would see an individual. We went in as a family, we'd get our food and she would look over and there would be a table where there was nobody there but one person, older lady, older man. And she would look at me at three and four. She would look at me and say, can I eat with that person? They're by themselves. I feel sad for them. And I would walk over to the adult and I would say, I know this is really kind of awkward, but um, my daughter here sees you eating by yourself and she's kind of unusual. She would like to eat with you while our family eats over there. Is that okay? And I know people would be like, sure. She'd jump up on the table. We'd look over. Our family would be eating going, look at her over there. She'd just talk in a mile a minute. And the people would come over later. That was such a great meal. Can we meet tomorrow? I mean, they, they just loved her. She was just bubbles. So when she went wayward at the age of 15 and 16, it was, oh, it was heart-wrenching. And I remember um, we got to her graduation day from high school. Barely, barely made it by the skin of our teeth. I still think a teacher helped her somewhere. And we were at the graduation ceremony. I remember I was sitting in the very back. I chose to sit in the very back next to the last row, second from last row, because I, this was painful. She had already made it clear. When this is done, I'm out of here. I knew she was going bye-bye, and I couldn't stop it. I tried. I tried all the parenting tricks. And prayed, trusted the Lord with it. 
as much as I knew how. And I remember people were walking in. This is so good. I'm a little bit of a public figure. If you see me, you kind of know my face and you'll say hi. And so I'm sitting in the back and people would walk up and they would, they're being nice. They're not trying to be mean, you know, but it's a graduation service. They would walk up and go, oh, Dan, I'm surprised you aren't speaking. You know, and there's, oh, your daughter's, oh, this is such a great day. And I, I remember, you know, when they would touch my shoulder and say that kind of stuff, I would look up and smile. But I wanted to, if I were being honest, I'd be like, can you just leave me alone? Can you walk away? I appreciate that. Get away from me. I mean, it's what I wanted to say inside because I wasn't doing well. I'm struggling. My daughter's not doing well. She's about to graduate. I have, I have prayers and dreams for her, but she's just fighting it all. And I remember they sang a song. Anna was a part of the choir and the choir sang that day and I remember they finished all the walking by, the hats, the salutes, the turn the tassel, all that stuff was done. And, and Anna was done and, and come up now and she's standing here in the choir. I remember she was standing about here on the stage of the choir and, and they sang the song called The Prayer. It's a song that Celine Young sings. You may know it, you may not. I'm gonna attempt to sing a little of it. That's not gonna help you. But the words to the song go like this. I pray you'll be our eyes and watch us where we go. And I remember sitting in that last seat going, oh, my word, where's she going? And help us to be wise. And I remember going, Lord, she's not at that place. In times when we don't know, let this be our prayer. When we lose our way, and I remember thinking she's lost her way. Sitting there, crying my eyes out. I'm an emotional person anyway. I'm crying my eyes out going, Lord, help her remember these words. The chorus goes like this. Lead us to a place, guide us with your grace to a place where we'll be safe. And I remember, oh God, I remember literally praying the words, Lord, will you help her not forget these words? She's been practicing this song in choir I pray that what she's learned her whole life, which is summed up in these words, I pray, Lord, now that she is here, get her to you by the time she's here. I wept. I had no more control as a parent. I had to release her totally to the Lord. Hardest times of my life. I remember talking to her. We, we got done with graduation and we walked over there, you know, where the parents and people hang out and have finger food and all this stuff. And I remember hugging her and I said to her, that song, that song. Now, remember, she's 17 and not even wanting to be here. So if you're here and you have a teenager, you might get this next statement. She's 17, doesn't want to be here. And I'm like, oh, that song was beautiful. What song? Like that, that song you were singing. And then, you know, that 17-year-old, you who are here who are teenagers, you need to know when you make that motion, your parents want to go, ah, you. You just need to know that. You just need to know that. 
but we got to act like adults, so we try to look all cool. But inside, you got to know I'm going double whatever you do. (laughs) And we walked out of that building. It wasn't long after that she got in her car with $400, and she drove away. If it helps you any, I lead winning at home. That's That's my job. I'm standing in the winning at home parking lot when she said goodbye. I cried my eyes out. Jane was there. She cried her eyes out. We prayed. Lord, keep her safe. Bring her to a place. She was almost killed a couple times. I would rather not discuss it all. And I give the Lord all the glory because I had nothing to do with it. My hands were completely tied and off of it. I'm not great with years, but four and a half to five years later, Anna came home. And I remember saying to her one day, why'd you come home? And I remember her telling me this. Dad, I woke up in South Carolina on a picnic table at 3.30 in the morning after doing some stuff I shouldn't have done. And she said, I laid there on that picnic table thinking to myself, I know a safe place. I I remember stories... (laughs) Lead me to a place. Guide me with your grace to a place where we'll be safe. Mom and dads, create a safe place, a place that honors Jesus and trust that they will someday arrive there. Y'all realize that's what God the Father longs for his kids? So many are wayward today, and God goes, I am your place of grace. Maybe one here today is wayward from the Lord. Can you see him in heaven going, I love you. I want you back. Come on, man. So I pray today, whether it's your own personal life or it's the life of your child, that you will find safety and comfort in the Lord today. Father God, I pause. I pray for us. We're all just a bunch of kids. Some days we don't know what we're doing. And I thank you for being a God of grace. A God who looks down and sees us all and loves every one of us. Not, not because of how we perform, not because of who our dads or moms are, or spouses are, but because you created us in your image. I'm your kid, therefore I'm good. So I receive you as my Lord. And I pray for wayward children today. I pray a mom or a dad who's here and hurting 
felt your arms of love around them today. I pray for a wayward one sitting in the seats here today, watching online. Maybe one online is just going, that was for me. I ask you to guide us, lead us. Let us live out this little proverb that we've taught today by passing on it, which is faith, to those who come behind us. We love you. I give you this message, and I pray you'd use it to shape lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.